appreciate it. And uh, my dad speaking and others playing and worshiping and all of you being here. And I, uh, I don't know if you can remember all the way back to July the 3rd, but I preached out of Jeremiah because I had been reading in Jeremiah. And um, Jeremiah is not my favorite book to read from. It's not a favorite book to preach from. I don't, can't remember too many sermons that I've preached out of Jeremiah. <clears throat> it is um, uh, kind of sort of depressing. Uh, he's called the weeping prophet <clears throat> because he lived at a time when Israel uh, it was sort of at the apex of um, about to receive the punishment of being going into captivity, into Babylonian captivity. He heralded the last days, if you will. And um, just to see how Jeremiah uh, dealt with these words that came to him in the last days and the impending doom. Of course, he wept a lot. I don't like to cry a lot. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, um, he found himself, uh, the religious leaders were against him. The uh, people were against him. Uh, the uh, enemy uh, was coming and things were in a bad place. And yet there's so much of Jeremiah that even the Lord and I, I, uh, I don't have a way to control this. So uh, we're gonna talk about simply responding uh, to those last days. And how do we do that? And maybe to be fair, uh, I know we all say, well, we're living in the last days. Are we living in the last days? And I do believe we are. And when you look at all of the situations from uh, inflation and crime and the fear and the stress and the anger and the sickness and, and uh, just the disruptions and, and um, the lack of workers and, and uh, the talk about recession is coming and, and this is gonna happen and that's gonna, I mean, uh, how do you respond whether you wanna call it the last days, it was uh, the impending doom that Jeremiah was feeling uh, how do you respond to bad news? How do you respond to situations that uh, come unexpectedly or as uh, Sheena mentioned today, Hezekiah, who they knew uh, they were doing wrong and being punished, but yet uh, how do you respond if you're not uh, one of those and how, how do you handle that? How did Jeremiah handle it? And you know, Jeremiah has a lot of famous uh, lines. Uh, one of the verses in Jeremiah, the 12th chapter, some of you may remember the verse goes, if you can't run with the footman, how are you gonna run with the horses? And my dad spoke on Revelation uh, Wednesday and that 
you know, is often used when you look at the four horses of the apocalypse. And people will say, if you think it's bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I believe that. When you study the book of Revelation, and I've taught, uh, went through chapter by chapter to the hyphen Bible study. We'll probably uh, start back in some of that. Uh, we didn't uh, do it during the summer, but uh, when we get started, because it's uh, overwhelming, and I know some of uh, the hyphen uh, uh, responses were, uh, oh, can we have a break and talk about something light? And can we uh, uh, jump out of this? Because when you talk about the amount of grass burned up and how many people die and what all's going to happen and how this terrible heat's going to come. And now we're not living in that now. And we think it's tough now. Huh? And that's why the verse that Jeremiah said, if you can't keep up now, what's going to happen when all the church people are gone? And there's no one to try to put the brakes on what's happening in our world. And I mentioned, I started talking about this because uh, back on July the 3rd, that Sunday morning, and then the Wednesday afterwards, because Manasseh, uh, when Jeremiah was born, Manasseh was one of the most evil kings. In fact, he sacrificed his own children. He brought them to an altar and, and sacrificed them. And some uh, pagan ritual watched his own ch children die. And of course, followed by Josiah. And Josiah, the church was in bad repair. It was all trashy and they all full of stuff. And they started trying to clean it out. And somebody found a book, the book of Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy, I don't know if you've ever read Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is not the most thrilling and exciting books, not like Psalms or, or some of the others from the Old Testament, but found the book of Deuteronomy. And Josiah got so excited about the book of Deuteronomy and he began to institute reforms and he began to tell people, you know, we're going uh, to start going back to church and worshiping. And so they cleaned out church and people started coming. But it was for show. It didn't transform them. They did it because the king said do it. But they didn't let it transform them. And Jeremiah called them out on it in the fourth chapter. He said, you dress up, you look nice, you go through all of this, and yet <laughs> it hasn't been a change of heart. And <laughs> he said, then you talk, uh, uh, talk, you're saying in the sixth chapter, you've healed the heart hurt of my daughter. You say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And were they ashamed that they committed abominations? No. Did they feel bad? No. Did they blush? No. Did they, did they feel sorry for what they've done? No, there was no true repentance. I'm not talking about our church. I'm not talking about 
all of Christianity, but sometimes it's easy to just think that coming to church is enough. It's supposed to impact me. And I know sometimes people say, well, you know, I... I would rather just be go, go and just be told that I'm awesome and that everything's going good and that I'm not going to have any problems than I would to have it transform me. And yet Jeremiah talks about all of that. And, and he said, you know, you're going to have to stand in the past. You're going to have to find a good way. You're going to have to walk in it. You're going to, that way you'll find rest for your souls. In other words, I, I want you to go back and look for the old paths. And I know, you know, that's old fogey. That's way out there. I don't want to do all of the things that I had to do. And Jeremiah talks about all of that. In fact, what he had them do, and, and I mentioned this past uh, the Wednesday night, the last Wednesday that I spoke before the wedding and, and before we left, was the words that Jeremiah quotes is he goes to the house of the Lord. And he says, change what's going on in the house of the Lord in Jeremiah, the seventh chapter. He said, don't just say, this is the temple, the temple, the temple. And he repeats it three times. He said, it's not enough just to say, well, I go to church, I go to church, I go to church. Man, he was really digging deep. In fact, later on in that seventh chapter, he said, you still are stealing and murdering and, and committing adultery and swearing falsely. You're lying and you're burning incense and you're walking after God, other gods. Then you come and stand in the house that's called by my name. And he said these words, in this house, which is called by my name, it's become a den of robbers in your eyes. And the Lord said, I've seen it. Now, I'm not talking about our church. And he talks about what's going to happen. And he said, it's going to be like Shiloh. Now, those words were quoted by Jesus. Remember when Jesus went to the temple. And he called them out and they cast out the money changers. And he said uh, that, you know what? My house shall be called the house of all nations, the house of prayer. And you've made it a den of thieves. Why? Why would Jesus pick up the words of Jeremiah? Because the Bible clearly says judgment begins where? Here, what are you saying, Pastor? Are we all under judgment? Yes, the Lord's cleaning us all up. Yeah. He's trying to get some things out of us. We're living in the last days. You say, well, I don't like going through pressure. I don't like having things upside down. I don't like the stress. Oh, I'd rather have this stress and make it to heaven. Than to miss it. Amen. If this is what keeps me on my knees, keeps me praying, keeps me faithful, keeps me in the house of the Lord. Oh, you say, well, I would rather just everything go back the way it was. I, I'm sorry. 
Those of you that went through 9-11 and remember, things have never gone back the way they were. After COVID, I don't think anything's going to go back the way it was. The way they do business, the retails, the buying and the selling and the you name it. And that's why in 2 Timothy, it says, you know, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And then here's where they're going to be. They're going to be taking a lot of selfies, lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers. You can go through all of these words. But he said, notice, they will have a form of godliness. Be able to go to church and still live any way I want. And he said, denying the power. And, and you say, how is this going to help me respond in the last days? Well, I'm going to show you what Jeremiah did, what we're going to have to do. But a lot of times, and I, I use the example of, you know, the Lord, when you go out to dinner and you're eating with someone and the waiter comes up, you stop the conversation. You tell the waiter, here, I'd like a glass of water. I need to order the buffet. I want a steak. I want, oh, and could you bring this broccoli back? It wasn't done. I, I didn't like this. And Huh? And I, I use the example you remember of, of this, the intimate stuff stops when the waiter comes up. And it's almost like we've relegated God to be our waiter. Do this for me, do that for me, get me this. And we're not in intimate conversation with him. And that's where the judgment begins for us. We can't fall into that same trap in the midst of all of this. And I, I put here a statement on this slide, and I, I, if you read it, I, I don't want you to, to, I want you to listen carefully to me. No, you went to, go back, there it is. Church is not a way to get you to heaven. Listen to me carefully. Church is not a way to get you out of problems. Church is not a way to make you feel good. Now listen, church can help teach you how to get to heaven. And church can get you out of some of your problems. Maybe all of them. And church can make you feel real good. But that's not what it was designed for. It was designed so that I would learn how to develop a relationship with God. That's what it was designed for. The designation was not just some place that I feel good on Sunday morning and that lasts me till next Sunday. But it's designed 
so that I learned how to find the Word of God. I learned how to pray. I learned how to talk to God. I learned how to have a different kind of communication with God. I learned how to develop a relationship with Almighty God. Oh, I understand. I, I understand. You, you can say, well, does it make you feel good? Yes. Is it there? Well, yes. Is it going to help me go to heaven? Yes. All of those. But that's not the prime. It's not about me. It's about me learning how to be connected to him. And yet, we're living in a very me-oriented world. It's all about me. What do I want? What do I get? What, what does, you know, and some of you are too young to remember John F. Kennedy, a Democrat, standing before the American people and saying, ask not what your country can do for you. Huh? Sounds pretty conservative. But rather ask what you and he started a variety of programs of volunteers and I understand you know we're so living in this Jeremiah was being bombarded with all of these things and he hears about the horses and how all of this is coming and this knowledge of coming captivity and destruction and so you know what it caused Jeremiah to do he learned how to pray and he prayed a four verse prayer just four verses. And I know it's the Bible is full of short prayers that are powerful prayers. Jabez's prayer, you know, Simon Peter's prayer for the lame man, you, you name it. There, there, there's a lot. You, you don't have to pray for six hours in order to pray a powerful prayer. But you've got to have a few elements if you're going to pray a powerful prayer. And one of them is you've got you to have your mind engaged and you got to have your emotions engaged. And you got to have your will engaged. In other words, <laughs> you got to know where you are, what you're going through, and you got to pray it with passion. Now that's where a lot of times people get stuck. You know, they, 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 they don't want to pray with passion because they, they don't want to get that passionate with God. Now they can yell and scream at the TV and they can cuss their family, but they can't get emotional with God. You say, well, but I know my wife or my husband. I know my kids. I, I can yell at them. Is he the waiter? If you can yell at anybody, you ought to be able to yell at God sometime. And you say, Pastor, how can you say that? Well, let me, let me just show you. It's all right. Jeremiah 15, 15. 15, 15 of Jeremiah. Oh, Lord, thou knowest. Remember me and visit me and revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. 
know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. What he was basically saying in his opening line is, Lord, you know where I am and what I'm going through. It's all right. Pray that way. And then he said, Lord, I need you to visit me and let me feel your presence. He said, visit me. And, and, and if you really are at a point where you're going through something, it's all right to say, Lord, I need to feel you. I need to feel your presence. I need to feel your spirit. That's why you may need to come to church. You may need to come to the front. You may need to raise your hands. You may, why? Because I need to feel God. I'm facing some last days issues. I'm facing some bad news. I need to feel God. And then he said, revenge me of my persecutors. And you know what that statement is? Basically, Lord, you alone are going to level the books. I don't need to take revenge. This is on you, Lord. I'm your child. Now, how many of you that don't understand that concept, if your little child came in and said, the so-and-so next door did whatever to me, how many of you are either going to say, okay, I'm either going to have to teach you how to fight or I'm going to go next door and talk to his dad? Huh? So he's basically saying, Lord, you let, are able to revenge me. And then he said, take me not away in thy long suffering. Please don't stop being merciful. That's part of the prayer. Lord, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your strength. Okay? Pray that verse. Pray the next verse. Thy words were found. And I did eat them. And thy word was unto me joy and rejoicing of my heart. Next, if you're facing some issues, get the word of God out. Start reading. Find a song. Find Jeremiah's prayer. Start reading the word. Start you promised never to leave me nor forsake me. You said you would be there. Lord, I, I, I know, I understand you have to go to the doctor. I understand you have to hear the report. I understand you have to hear the news. What's going to happen? You have to put gas in your car. I understand all of that. That's how much more we need the word of God in this hour with all the bad stuff we're hearing and facing and doing. This will bring you joy and rejoicing. Why? You say, Lord, I know you are there. I know you are able. I know. Then he goes on to say, Oh Lord, God of no, nope, stay there. God of hosts, I sat in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I sat alone because of thy hand. For thou hast filled me with indignation. What, what he's saying is I'm looking around and what other people are doing is making me mad. Has anybody ever felt that way? It just makes me mad. People that are mocking God, 
mocking what God's doing. Fills me with indignation. All right, that's 16 and 17. Now, verse 18. And this is where he starts screaming at God a little bit. Why is my pain perpetual? Lord, how come I'm not getting deliverance? How come there's no relief? How come my wound is incurable, which refuses to be healed? Lord, it feels like you're a liar. And as waters that fail. Now this is the same guy. This is the 15th chapter. Earlier in the second chapter, he had talked about the fountains of living waters. You've forsaken the fountain of living waters and hewn out cisterns. He was calling God the fountain of living water. And now he says, I just can't feel anything. And I don't know if you've ever been that far in pain or fear or stress or anxiety that you feel alone, you feel helpless, you feel abandoned. And what happens is when people reach that point, most of the time they try to escape. They're going to find a bottle to crawl into, a drug, some fantasy, watch a movie, go shopping, buy another pair of shoes. Something to get away from it. Huh? I wasn't talking about Sister Carolyn, Brother Rich. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? I would just like to get away from it all. I can tell you, a lovely plane ride to Perth, your problems will be over. Huh? If I could just, and Jeremiah is screaming that at God. He's passionate. He's emotional. He's praying all of that. He's not trying to mask. He's not trying to cover up. He's getting real with God. You know what to do in this hour? It's time to be totally real with God, where you are, what you're going through. You say, well, I will just say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's wonderful when you're not going through it. But when you're in the midst of your and you get desperate, you will cry out, Son of David! Don't bother him. He's walking down the road. This is not the timer. I don't, Son of David, have mercy on me. Huh? 
There is a level of desperation that these hours should be producing in all of us. And I know it is. I was here Friday morning and people were praying and we, we, we oh, I get it. And that's not just for early morning prayer, but it ought to be re reaching, uh, reaching us to the point where we are praying a desperate prayer and pouring it out. I'm not going to mask it anymore. But when you do that, get ready. The Lord's going to answer you. When you get that kind of desperation before God, and the reason sometimes we don't want to do it is we don't want to hear what God has to say. Oh, I would just rather say, it's okay, Lord. Go ahead, 19th verse. The last three verses, the Lord answers. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, if thou return. That word return means repent. Oh, wait a minute. I don't need to repent. I haven't done anything wrong. Every one of us need to repent. And when you're under attack, you really need to repent. Why? Because Lord, it, and you remember I preached, if, if I'm being falsely accused, it's going to be easy to get sideways if I'm being wrongly, if I'm doing something wrong. The point is, I got to say, Lord, start with me. If I'm going to get out of this, I need you to start right here first. It's not, well, it, she did it to me. She did it to me. They said it to me. They, first of all, Lord, help me if there's anything in me. And he said, then will I bring thee again and you shall stand before me. If thou shalt take, if thou take forth the precious from the vile, thou shalt be as my mouth. Let them return unto thee, but return not thou unto them. And I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall they shall fight against you they shall not prevail against you for I am with you to save you and to deliver you saith the Lord and I will deliver thee out of the hand of the wicked and I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible what was the Lord saying is if you will get right and stay right with me I will take you through I will make you a defense city. I will make you have walls of brass. I will make a way where there is no way, but you've got to make it right with me. And when you're right with me, no matter what else is going on, everything's going to be all right. And that's where he was. It's like in this hour, what am I going to do, Lord? You know what? I'm going to pray through. And ask the Lord, Lord, wash me, Lord, cleanse me, Lord, touch me. Why? And I, I, I'm going to stop there I, because the next, the next layer was, and I'll, I'll, I'll do it tonight, but a couple chapters over, the Lord says, come with me, let's go to the potter's house. Remember that? And he said, watch how the potter works takes the clay, 
throws it down on the wheel, begins to work. The pot's a little bit off, wobbling a little bit, takes the wire back across the wheel, slaps the mud together, throws it down. Huh? He's working on us. Every one of us. I don't like that. I don't like the feeling of the being, the stress, and the, all the pressure, everything that's going on. I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for it to be done. Well, let me tell you when it's going to be done. When. Da, da, da. One of the things I want to make sure that my vessel is in order when it, the fire comes so that I come out transformed, changed. Oh, you say, Pastor, you say there's never any relief. Yes, there's relief. Let me tell you where it is. In the presence of Almighty God. That's where my relief is. That's where I really get relief. Oh, I could go to the other side of the world and I could go buy a new pair of shoes or I can buy something new or I can spend money and I can feel better until I get the visa bill. Huh? Or until the guy sitting next to me is leaning over on my seat. Yeah. And then I say, why didn't I pay $10,000 to sit in first class? But if I'd have been up there, I, there'd have been a crying child. I don't know. Something wouldn't have gone right, huh? Where's my only real relief come from? Right here presence of Almighty God. When you're at home and you pull out the word, put on a song, begin to listen, begin to sing for a moment, whether it's pain, whether it's doctor's reports, whether it's stress, I just begin to raise my hands and I feel the Shekinah of Almighty God and it feels like he's making a fence city out of me. It feels like he's giving me strength. I can make it another day. I can make it another hour. I can make it another week because of the charge of the power of Almighty God. I don't want to have just a form of godliness with no power. The power comes when I'm willing to get real with God and really say, I need you, Lord. And when I feel that, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost begins to move in. Let's stand. Hallelujah.